Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. I want to just, just take some time today to just expand a little bit about that and deal with some of the things that come from that. And it's so, it's so important that we step into God, we lean into God, because it's not just about, you know, just coming and sitting on a bench, but it's about believing what the Word of God says. It's about trusting God's Word. It's about believing that God has a plan for us. And He does. He really does. And it's so important that we understand that. And it's part of, a part of that is our story. So I want to talk to you today a little bit about that. So, Actually, I was like wondering how to get started, and I did some research. Now, I hate math. You know, math, as you guys say, math here is, is, is one of my hated subjects. I hate it in school. I, I guess I lean more towards artistic, sort of creative. I loved English. I loved language. But I hated math. Uh, so I had to do these number crunchings. It was quite interesting. So let me share with you what I discovered. Um, when I looked at this, it was quite a big deal to me. So in 1950... There were 2.5 billion people who lived on planet Earth. 68 years later, in 2018, the world population is at 7.2 billion. That's a lot, yeah? 7.2 billion people. Organizations that measure this and do census and stuff like that, they've actually done some research and found that the number of people that follow Jesus are 2.2 billion people. That's awesome. Isn't that amazing? 2.2 billion people. Put your hands for the, together for that. <laughs> However, there's a great opportunity there in that as well. Because guess what? 5 billion people in the world don't know Jesus. 5 billion. So I'm like, that's a huge number. That's like a number out there. How do you measure that? So I kind of did some more things and tried to figure out how we can put that number into context. So I looked at the MCG. Everyone know the MCG? Yes. So the MCG holds 100,024 people if it sells out. So if every seat is taken, 100,024 people. I don't know why they're 24 extra seats, but whatever. (laughs) It's interesting. They squeeze 24 extra in. So 100,024. So do you know how many times the MCG will have to sell out to get every single person on the earth in there? How How many times we'd have to have sellouts? Well, the MCG would have to sell out 71,982.7 days in a row to fit every single person on the earth. Wow. 71,000—it's almost 72,000 people. 72,000 days, sorry. Now, I kind of drilled down a little bit further. I'm like, okay, there's five billion people that didn't hear about Jesus, so let's try and get all of them in MCG, and then we'll get someone to speak and tell them about Jesus. Right? That'd be awesome. Yes. So now, okay, so how long will that take for us to actually do that? Uh, if we get every single person, 5 billion people in there, and how, long, how many days? It takes actually 49,988 days, right, to get the whole 5 billion people into the MCG to get them to hear about Jesus. And so I'm like, okay, well, let's go even further. So if a man lives to 100 and he has a chance to speak about Jesus every single time, Right, And this is actually counting from the year dot. So you're born, you get out of your womb, you start speaking about Jesus right there at the MCG. If you had 100 years to speak about Jesus, it takes us 36,500 days 
right? That still doesn't cover everyone. On average, people have the ability probably from, from 15 years old to 65 years old to talk about Jesus. And that leaves us with 18,250 days of our life to tell someone about Jesus. And we don't even touch the upper echelon of what it takes. It's interesting, right? Jesus said that the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, Father, we want to thank you this morning. We want to honor you and we want to bless you. We pray, Lord God, that your word will have free course in our lives. That, Lord, as we come and we hear that we don't just go away empty, but we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord God, that you love us and you have a plan for us. I pray, Lord God, as we get into it this morning, as we open up your word and talk about things contained in it, that we'll receive something that we can take out and implement practically in our lives. I pray for people here that have gathered this morning that you continue to bless them, encourage them, nurture them. They go through various things in the week and As we gather here, we want to just come celebrate you, celebrate each other, give you glory, and hear your word. So bless your people, bless your church. Thank you for your word. It gives us light in dark times. Remove these lips of clay and let your word have free course. Give you praise and thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as I said, Jesus said the harvest is truly plenteous. Or full, but the laborers are few. And it would take more than a lifetime for us to tell everyone. But here's the amazing opportunity that we have. There's many people around us, in our community, in our schools, in our workplaces, that have not heard about Jesus Christ. That gives us an amazing opportunity to talk about someone that we love. Amen? It's an awesome thing. And the harvest... Is plentiful if we are risk takers, if we step beyond our normalcy, if we step beyond our comfort zone, if we do things that are not in the normalcy of the activities of our life, that we actually do things intentionally. We plan things intentionally. We think about a broader perspective rather than an internal or or one-view perspective of our lives. So I want to look at the life of Jesus. Talking about stories, and my topic today is share your story. And it's important that you share your story because the reality is that every single one of us has a story. God has all given us stories. And the amazing thing about our stories is that Christ intersects our stories. Christ is contained within our story. Our story won't be as important if Christ wasn't in it. So our story becomes important when Christ is in our story. Because he changes the direction and the narrative of our lives. And so I want to look at the life of Jesus, more specifically, two different situations, two stories that have significantly impacted people, the people in the stories as well. Just two of them. The first one I want to share is about the first missionary of the gospel. Anyone know who that is? The first missionary of the gospel? Well, we'll find out. Then I'm going to share another story from the book of John about the first evangelist we see or we meet. Anyone know who that is? Well, stay tuned because we're going to get into it. Let's start with the first one. Mark chapter 4 verse 35. This is where it starts. That day when evening came, he, being Jesus, said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. 
So Jesus had spent the entire day teaching, with para- teaching parables, teaching people, talking about the hidden things of the kingdoms. And parables are you know, practical things that give deep insight into the, the mind of the the mind of God, the deep things of heaven, the deep things of spirituality. And so he's talking to them and telling them about these deep things about the kingdom so they can understand God's plan for their life. And so then after that, he talks to the disciples and he said, okay, let's go over to the other side of the sea or the lake. But what you have to understand is this. These disciples were used to going up and down the shoreline, going into the sea, but they'd never actually gone across to the other side. And you would ask the question, why? Why wouldn't they go to the other side? Because on the side was a place called Decopolis. And Decopolis was sort of a contingency of ten different cities that lived there. Pagan cities that existed on the other side. And in Jewish thinking, Decopolis was a land of these seven pagan idols. And when Joshua came in and drove out all these people, these people fled to the other side and they took their gods with them and they developed these cities over there, so-called Decopolis. And so there was the city of seven gods, but ten cities. And no good, no self-respecting Jewish person, no self-respecting Jewish boy or girl would ever find themselves in Decopolis because that was not just the thing to do. But here's the thing. When you think about the disciples... We often see movies and we see, you know, the story of Jesus on screen and you look at the disciples and Peter's this old guy and, you know, there's other disciples. But the reality is that when you look into the context of what was happening in the time, the disciples were from 16 years old to 19 years old. That's all they really were. The oldest one would have been Peter. He would have been the most at 25. Jesus was 30. He had just turned 30. And as a rabbi, he's able to call young people to his school. That's what made him a rabbi. And so every one of his disciples would have been young men, teenagers, in fact, or what we call teenagers. They weren't old men. They were young guys. They were teenagers. And so when Jesus goes, okay, let's go over to the other side, they're like, I'm not sure about that, Jesus, because we've been told our entire life to never, ever go to Decapolis. But just like, no, no, we're getting in this boat. Let's jump in this boat. We're going to go to the other side. I'm going to take a nap. You guys deal with it. So they're on this boat, and they're getting to the middle of this lake, and guess what happens? Storm, right? That's what happens. That's the story, if you understand what happens. The youngest of these disciples would probably have been 14. They were young men. Yes, they're accustomed sailors. They know how to do this. But this is a storm. You know, the clouds out there, the clouds get, uh, started dark, the rain started falling, the waves started rising, it's, it's torrential, all this stuff is happening. They're about to freak out. They're really in turmoil. First of all, going to the other side, they're probably thinking, this is just a bad plan. You know, God doesn't want us to go. This is why the storm is happening. All this stuff. And if you, if you understand their thinking, when they looked at it, Genesis chapter 1 says this. We know this. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, which in Hebrew actually means chaotic. Filled with chaos, darkness was everywhere, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And so in Hebrew, the Hebrew ideology or Hebrew thought was that where there was darkness, where all these evil spirits were. And because of this darkness that was coming and the darkness of the sea and everything, they thought the evil spirits were in there. Luke actually refers to this as the abyss. 
So these teenage guys, they would have been tremendously scared. They would have been really not knowing what to do because they're stressed out. And so they're, they're talking amongst themselves. And then one of them came up with this brilliant idea. They're like, wow, you're the man. You have the best idea ever. What's this idea? Let's go wake up Jesus. Right? So one of them get over. They wake up Jesus. Jesus walks on to the deck. You know, he sees the clouds. He sees the storm. He sees the waves. The ship's rocking to and fro. It's just crazy out there. He raises his hands and he says, peace be still. Waves stop. Rain stops. Clouds disappear. Super calm sea. They're like, wow, that's awesome. Peter runs to the back. He's like practicing peace be still. Not working for him. And so they're like, wow, who is this? They understand they're following him, but this is amazing. And they're like, this is really good. Maybe something good can happen. So they get to the shore. They throw out the anchor. They get off the boat. Guess what they see? A naked guy running around with chains, chains and cuts all over his body. He's running around. He's screaming. He's a lunatic. He's yelling at the top of his lung. He's screaming. The other guy's like, bro, check out that naked dude. <laughs> we need to go back where we came from because this ain't on. I'm like, what's happening? They're like, they have no idea what's happening. Jesus is still calm. He's still there. And so this guy, the Bible tells us, that he had been chained in a cemetery because of so many demons that had put him. So the town on that side, even they couldn't deal with this guy. They put him in chains, and the Bible says he kept breaking his chains. And so they could put stronger chains and stronger chains. Finally, they chained him with whatever they could find in the cemetery. And he'd been cutting himself all over. He was bleeding. He's yelling at the top of his lungs. He has no clothes on. He's stark raving, mad and naked as well. And then they come up to this guy, and this guy comes up to Jesus, and he starts screaming. It has to be for the most challenging situation for these young teenagers. Fascinating point, if you have to understand this. This, come, this guy comes out of the tombs with shackles and cuts over his body. He sees Jesus. And it's interesting to note that some of the first things that know who Jesus is, is actually not the disciples, not the Pharisees, not the religious leaders, but actually the demon-possessed people. They recognize that he's God. And so this guy, in verse 7, he runs up and says, Jesus God, Son of God, please do not torture me. Jesus goes, what's your name? My name is Legion, he says in Mark 5, verse 7, which means 3,000 or to up to 6,000. There's 3,000 or up to 6,000 demons in this one guy. No wonder he was going crazy. Such a lot of things going on. They were probably having a party in there and he was just running around crazy. Now, at the same time, where this guy's running up to Jesus and screaming his lungs out and cutting himself and totally naked, there's some other random dude over there, right? The random dude has a whole, I guess, herd. I don't know what you call pigs in a herd. Does anyone know? What? Lumber pigs? A whole bunch of pigs. Random dude is with his pigs. He's just taking them for a walk. I don't know what he's doing. But I don't know who takes pigs for a walk in the cemetery. But that's what he's doing. He's walking by with a whole post of these 2,000 pigs. So he's walking by. And so this is what happens in the scripture. 
So this naked guy, he's screaming, he's shouting, he's going off his head. He's saying, don't harm us. He's screaming. Finally, he says, don't destroy us, Jesus. Just send us into the pigs. So Jesus gives a signal. All these demons jump into the pigs. The pigs run off this cliff and into the sea and they drown. Random guy's like, what happened? I was just taking my pigs for a walk and all of a sudden they're off a cliff. I don't know what's going on. Who are you? What are you doing? That's crazy. He runs into the city. And he's like, guys, naked dude out there just went crazy, and I don't know what happened. And all of a sudden, you know, my pigs, they went off a cliff. I have no pigs left. I don't know what to do. Well, I don't know what's happening. So the city's like, okay, okay, calm down. We're going to go check this out. All right, this is what happened. Verse 15 says, When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen Seen it, told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. They couldn't handle him. They couldn't handle the situation. They'd got it under control. Yes, the guy's crazy, but we've put him in a cemetery. No one visits except this random pig dude guy that walks by with his pigs. And like, and it's like, you need to leave Jesus because we don't want this mess happening around. This is just crazy. But here's the radical thing. Here's the amazing thing about this story is that you have this guy who's totally gone. He's off his head. He's crazy. He's running around naked, cutting himself. And that was the expectation. But when they arrived to see him, he was fully dressed, calm, in his right state of mind, sitting there. And something had happened between crazy and, well, something had gone crazy. Something had happened between his crazy mind and his sane mind. There's something in the middle called transformation. And Jesus is in the middle of that. That transformation. They couldn't understand this. They couldn't understand this concept. The disciples were amazed. Everyone's shocked. It's just astounding. He's dressed. He's calm. He's talking. They were afraid because they realized that something had happened. They just didn't know what it was. And so they tried to get rid of Jesus. Something has transformed this guy. Something has given him inner peace. He was once out of his mind, but now he's sane. He was once crazy, but now he's fine. And the people were like, you just need to leave. You just need to leave, Jesus. This, this, this. You don't, we don't worry about paying for the pigs. Don't worry about any of that stuff. Just get on your boat and leave. Verse 18 says, As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Isn't that a natural thing? You, you know where you came from. You know what state you were in. You know how decrepit and broken it was. Because you were living in the cemetery. You couldn't do anything about it. You were possessed. And you know that state. And, and here comes your Savior. Here comes Jesus that has delivered you out of those situations. Why wouldn't you want to go with him? And he says, I want to go with you, Jesus. Because all that I've experienced is brokenness and rejection. And people have just abandoned me. The people that were my family, my friends, they had just abandoned me to this place. And here you've come and you've given me freedom and liberty. I want to go with you. It's interesting what Jesus responds though. Because in verse 19, Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell. The word tell means to proclaim, to declare. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has mercy on you. I love this. It's, it's a beautiful picture. 
This man is like, thank you for giving me inner peace. Thank you for saving me. Can I come with you? It's a natural thing anyone would say. Can I come with you? But Jesus says, no, no, wait, you can't. It's just too safe. I don't want you to be safe. I want you to go back and tell everyone what happened. I want you to not just have an easy life. You can get on the boat. The disciples can row. You can be cushy. You can be all fine. Everything will be fine. I'm with Jesus. See, the reality of our lives is that when we come to God, most of us, we just get on the boat and we just coast. Right? Because we're with Jesus. But that's completely different to what Jesus instructed this guy to do. He says, no, you can't come with me. I want you to go back and tell everyone your story. Why? Because your story has become his story. Our story becomes his story. Because when Jesus comes into our lives, we were broken, we were scarred, we were messed up, we were addicted, we had all of these things, and our life was not going anywhere. That would be the narrative of our lives. But here we have Jesus step into it, invade our stories, hack our stories, and change the direction of our lives. And we become fresh, we become new. And so our stories become real, our stories become alive, because Jesus has come into our stories and changed the narrative of our life. And he says to this guy, I want you to go back and tell everyone. Go proclaim throughout Decapolis, all through the ten cities, all through the area of the seven pagan gods. Tell those people that you were once insane and now you're sane. In fact, they won't even re- they will recognize you because everyone knew this crazy person in the cemetery. You don't have to say something. They knew you were naked, but now you're sane. They knew you were Naked and broken, but now you're sane and dressed. It's like showing up in a three-piece suit. And people can't understand it. They've seen the cuts. They've heard him yell. they heard him rave. But here he is fully dressed. Calm, sane mind. Talking to them like a normal human being. It's interesting that it seems that Jesus' sole purpose for traveling across the sea was just to get to this one guy... Deliver him, get back on the board and go back. That was it. That's all he did. Brave the storm, brave all these things, get to the side, deliver this guy, and go back. But here's the thing. God makes journey towards us. God steps in our direction, regardless of the state where they're in, because our lives matter. Our lives matter to him. And so he goes out of his way across the sea, through the storm, to get to this one guy, deliver him and say, go tell your story. The amazing thing to me is, so often we don't do that. When God comes into our story, we hold that story, we keep that story, we don't share our story, we don't share our lives. We live hidden lives. But Jesus says, I want you to go. We often leave everything and go after Jesus. But he's saying, I don't want you to leave anything I want you to go to everyone. It can be easy for him to say, hey, come to Jerusalem with me. Sorry, this thing is bothering me. It would be easy for him to say, come to Jerusalem with me. Turn around and say, hey, you know, that's okay. You're with me. You know what? I just can do anything. Did you see what happened with the storm, the waves, the rain? It's okay to be safe. But Jesus is not asking us to be safe. He's asking us to take a risk. To step into 
out of our comfort zone, out of our, a place of normalcy, and into a place that it might be challenging, but can change people's lives. Look at what happens next. Verse 20. So the man went away and began to tell in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. It is an amazing thing. You fast forward to Mark chapter 8. Jesus actually comes back to Decapolis. And you know what? When he comes back to Decapolis, there's 4,000 people waiting to hear him speak. 4,000 people. When all they did before was tell them to get on the boat and get out of here. There was one guy who went to all these cities that told everyone, this is what happened to me. This is my story. I was insane, now I'm sane. I was naked, now I'm closed. And what happened was transformation and his name is Jesus. And through that, 4,000 people came. You know what happened after that? Well, Jesus started to teach them. And here you get the miracle of him feeding the 4,000. Miracles happen. Situations change. Lives are transformed. Why? Because one guy made up his mind that he's going to go tell everyone what happened. One guy, that transformation occurred in his life. He went out and just said, you know what? It'd be easy if you just got on this boat, but I want you to go out and take a risk and tell everyone your story. And when he did... 4,000 people showed up. That man took his story and God used it. All of us have stories. Every single one of us has a story of our life. And we also have a story where God invaded our story. Where God changed the direction of our lives. When he stepped into our script and changed it. Because our script was headed for brokenness. Our script was heading for disaster. It was just the same routine over and over. But when Christ invaded or hacked our story, he changed the direction of our life. Some of you in this room think that God can't use you. Some of you in this room think that you know, you're not equipped enough. Some of you think in this room that you, know, you haven't seen my past. You haven't seen what kind of mess I've been through. But here's what I want to say to you. If God can use a man who was naked, who was out of his mind, that nobody wanted to deal with, God can use us. God can use you. Every one of you has a story and it matters to him. Because your story becomes his story. All you need to do is enter into those places where you were once out of your mind. You know, you were addicted, you were broken, you were scarred, you made decisions that were foolish and, and made silly things and did stupid things and, and did whatever, addicted to drugs or alcohol, whatever, that's who you were. But now you show up dressed and fine in your sane mind and you say, that's who I was when I was insane, but take a look at me now. And they ask you, what happened to you? Well, transformation occurred. His name was Jesus. My life was transformed. When you tell your story, you're automatically telling his story. So what are you willing to risk? Are you willing to risk to walk across the room? I was at the shopping center Yesterday, with Chanel, and we sat down on this bench after a little while. And behind us was a grandfather with two kids. One of them was like screaming and yelling and rolling on the floor screaming, jumping on the bench screaming. That's like a great example of what happened to the guy, right? It's like that's a good thing. He was just screaming his head off. Finally, after a while, nothing the grandfather did could stop him from screaming. 
Finally, the mother and the grandmother come out of Big W. They're like, what's going on? He's like, you know, he wanted to get some Play-Doh. And the Play-Doh was $16, so I couldn't afford the $16 Play-Doh. And so we couldn't get it, so that's why he's screaming. And he says to me, he said, the grandfather said, the, the, the grandkid said to me, don't you want me to be happy? Right? Buy me the Play-Doh so I can be happy. <laughs> that's what he said. Don't you want me to be happy, Grandma? Granddad? Isn't that how we sometimes we look at God? He says, God, don't you want me to be happy? Why don't you put this in my life? Why don't you give me this? Don't, you want, don't I want comfort? I want a house, I want a car. Don't you want me to be happy? And here's the thing. God did not come to make you happy. Does that shock some of you? God's primary purpose is not to give you happiness. God's primary purpose is to give you salvation. God's primary purpose is to give you joy because in His presence there's fullness of joy. And as a side effect of joy, you get happy. Right? But that's not what He came to give you. He came to bring you to Himself. He came to make a way for you to get into this eternal lifestyle. But He didn't come to make you happy. Because happiness is a temporary feeling. We're happy one day, we're unhappy the next day. We're elated one day, we're depressed the next day. The, the right program's not on TV, we're depressed. The happiness vanishes. And God does not do His permanent work in a temporary place. He does His work in joy because joy is eternal. Because joy comes through Him. Joy is in His presence. And we have to stop thinking about life. And, you know, oftentimes we just think, well, God just wants to make us happy. He, everything is rose drops and gum drops and the yellow brick road. And it's all fun and games. But it's not the serious lives at stake. There's things on the line. Here's our second story. I said the first one I went off on a tangent. Sorry. The second one comes from John chapter 4 verse 26. I love this story. It's very familiar. I've talked about it a number of times. You've heard it preached millions of times. But here it is. Jesus talks to this Samaritan woman. John chapter 4 verse 4. Now it says, now he had to go through Samaria. He didn't have to go through Samaria. That's not what the scripture is saying. It's like he's obligated to go. He chose to go through Samaria. Right? He had to go through Samaria. He could have been like every other Jewish person and walked all the way around because they believe that if they even stepped on the ground in Samaria, they'll be defiled. No one wants to walk through this area of half-breeds because that's what they look to them as. You half-breeds, we wouldn't even talk to you. We wouldn't touch you. We wouldn't even step on your ground because when we step off onto our holy ground, we're going to dust our feet so we're not polluted by your ground. That's exactly what they did. But Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Again, Jesus goes out of his way and puts himself in a precarious situation to go all the way into Samaria to meet this one woman. You know what that means? It means that lives matter. That every single life matters. Every single life is important. He goes far out of his way to meet this half-breed Samaritan woman that the Jews didn't want anything to do with, all of them. Verse 5 says, So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, which is modern-day Nebulus, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you draw water? Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone on into the town to buy food. 
Jesus is tired. He sits by this well. This woman walks up. Jews and Samaritans don't talk. And Jewish men would definitely not talk to a Samaritan woman, more so a Jewish rabbi. When he saw the Samaritan woman come, he should have run in the other direction. But he starts this conversation. He starts by saying simply, would you give me a drink of water? That's a simple thing we all say. We go to someone's house, we're thirsty. Can I have a drink of water? It's not complicated, it's not hard, but here he goes. But she backs off. She's like, whoa, you shouldn't be talking to me. We shouldn't be having conversation. What's going on? But he says, will you give me a drink of water? And Jesus begins to recognize, because he comes out of his way to have this one conversation with this one woman, just like he traveled across the sea to have this one encounter with this possessed man. And he realizes that she's coming because she's been rejected, she's broken, she's scarred. She's the reason why she's there by herself. She's not there with any other woman. As they usually do, she's come by herself in the noontime. When, that's not when they come to gather water. They gather water early in the morning for the day's needs. But she's come at noontime, which means she's rejected. Which means none of, the, none of the women in the city or the town want to deal with her because she's defiled. Even, sometimes even in the, amongst the dogs, there's always one that's lower. And she is it. And Jesus has this conversation this woman's, this woman's life matters to Jesus. This woman matters to God. And Jesus begins this conversation by using exactly what she came for, her desire for natural water that he transforms into talking about living water. Amen. He talks about this living water that he can offer her, and she's like, well, if you have water, give it to me, because then I don't have to come down here every day and do this. He's like, sure, why don't you go call your husband, Bring him down, we'll have a drink of water, we'll have a chat. She's like, I don't have one. Verse 17 says, you're right, Jesus says, you have five husbands, and the man that you're with right now is not your husband. And she's like, whoa, how did you know that? You must be a prophet, verse 19. And Jesus begins to hack into her story, because this was the narrative of her life. She was despised. Whatever she did, she did, but it wasn't an acceptable thing in that society, just as much as it is now. She was rejected by the women, she was hated by the women, didn't want to be around her, and she was going from broken relationship to broken relationship. This was how her story was. And that wasn't going to change anytime soon. That's how it was going to go on and on. That was the story of our life. That was the narrative But here comes Jesus and he hacks into that story. He changes her script. He changes the narrative. Because now she's going from a place of brokenness to something completely different. And he goes all the way to tell her this. She doesn't understand anything. She doesn't understand what it is. So she responds, I know that, in verse 25, that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything. Because they had an expectation of Messiah as well. Verse 26 Jesus declares, I, the one who am speaking to you, am he. It's one of the first times Jesus trusts someone with his full identity. And it's a woman who has a scandalous past. Not his disciples, not anyone else, but it's this Samaritan woman that would despise that he reveals who he really is. Peter later asks him, you know, just asked Peter, so who do people say that I am? And 
Peter comes to his conclusion. But this is Jesus telling her directly, I'm Messiah. And he doesn't do that with his disciples. He goes out of his way. He meets this woman. He talks to this woman. He reveals who he is. Because every life matters. No matter where you've been. No matter how broken you are. No matter how far you've walked from God. He will come and find you. And change your story. That's what he does. Jesus' disciples return. And they're like, "Mm, I don't know why he's talking to her. He shouldn't be talking to her. But none of them had the guts to say anything. What's going on? This woman, this woman ended up leaving and she goes back to Samaria and she goes to everyone and she says, Come see a man who's told me all that I ever am. Come see this guy. This was the story of my life. This was the narrative of my life. This is where I was heading. He knows my past. He knows my future. He's introduced me to living water. My life has been changed. Again, broken, rejected, despised, transformation, new, renewed, declaring. She goes back to Samaria. She goes back to her town. She tells everyone her story. This is what happened to me. I went to the well. All I was thinking about was water. And this guy showed up and we had a conversation. He offered me living water. And then I don't know what happened. I thought he was a prophet, but he's not. He's a Messiah. Things change. Right? She goes back and she tells everyone. There was utter sincerity in her voice. That is what she must have had. He told me everything I did. John 4.29. Verse 40, it says, When the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many became believers. But here's the kicker. Verse 42, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Two stories that Jesus said came into, invaded, hacked, whatever you will, changed the direction of their life, changed the, the destiny of their lives, came in. And he said, go back and tell everyone. And their stories brought other people to him. Your story of how your life changed is so important because Christ is contained in it. Do you understand? He's in your story because he's transformed you. And that's where you came from. This is where you are. But he's the one that's caused the transformation. And when you tell your story, just like this woman did, just like this man did, this is what happened, this is what happened, you automatically talk about him because he is the centrifuge to your story. He is the one that changed it. And yes, you're talking about you. And it's so important because every life matters. Every story matters. And these two people, their lives were tremendously transformed by this. Friends, brothers and sisters, there's five billion people in this world that have not accepted or heard about Jesus Christ. That's a whole load of opportunity. There are people in your workplace, there's people in your kindergarten classes, your child's classes, your whatever it is, in your schools, 
at work that are wrestling with decisions, are going through all kind of turmoil, struggle, pain, frustrated, brokenness, and all of these things because their story has not changed. Their story is going to be the same. It's the same narrative day after day after day. And if Christ doesn't come in, their story will forever be the same. I tell you, in this great state of Victoria, there's 5.79 million people. And out of that, the vast majority of them have not heard about Jesus. That they don't have a relationship with him. So every person in your school, in your workplace, in your friend circle, there's an opportunity for you to share your story because you share his story. And they have the opportunity to come and meet this amazing Savior. What could you do? What would you do to go to the other side? Would you step across the room? Would you walk across the room? How would you get people understanding? It's a simple thing. You talk about your story. You talk about how Christ came in and changed your life. You're not bashing them with the Bible. You're not yelling scripture at them. You're just telling them how you were transformed. What we need to do is we need to have a sense of urgency, a sense of determination that wherever we are, and especially in this church or even in your car, that you have five seats or four seats available and you're like, you know, this seat is named Sally because I'm praying for Sally and that one's Joe and that one's Mary and, and Sue and all those things because I'm naming these seats because I want my friends, my family, my co-workers to be in those seats. So I'm going to name those seats. When we come to church, there's many seats. You name that seat you say, because I'm praying for that person. I'm going to share my story with that person because I want them to understand and the grace of God because it's God's grace and his love he stepped towards me when no one else would we need to have this urgency within us to be able to share our story because your story matters your story is important God is infused in your story what would we risk what would we like would we like to see people broken would we like to see people scarred what would we risk do we need to have the courage to step forward and invite. Because you know, the, the reality is that there's risks, risks on both sides. I remember when someone invited me to church for the first time. I wasn't a believer. But they took the courage to invite me. It was a risk for them. It was a risk for me because I didn't know what I was saying yes to. There's risk on both sides. But let me tell you this. I'm eternally grateful to this day for someone introducing me to Jesus. And that it, when I get to heaven, I'll be eternally grateful there again. Because that person's name is in my faith story. And it will forever be in my faith story. Because they introduced me to Christ. And I'm more, more, I can't even express how thankful I am. That that person had the courage to ask me to come. There'll be many people in your life. And maybe you don't even know who they are. But when you get to heaven... They'll come and thank you because your name is in their faith story because you were integral in them being introduced to Christ because your story matters. We have to be the kind of people that we say we're not going to be controlled by the people's opinions. We don't want to see broken people. We, are, we don't want to see people hurt. We want to help people discover their identity in Christ. We want to help people realize who they are because their story matters and their life matters just as much as mine. Would you lean into God's whispers when God prompts you? Would you lean into him and say, yes, God, I'll do it. I'll follow through. We will not let people drown. We will not let people go 
without being rescued. We will not be the kind of people that say it doesn't matter to us. We want to see everyone rescued. We want to be the kind of church, we want to be the kind of people that every life matters. Every story matters. So church, may I ask you if you'd risk sharing your story. Share your story. Because your story is his story. Because he's contained within your life. Within the chapters of your life. There's a whole place where Jesus came in and caused transformation. And he's between the letters and pages of your life. He's between the days of your life. He's between the decisions of your life now. He's just infused in there. And your story will never be complete if Christ is not in your story. It'll just be a story of broken lives that go through the same brokenness over and over. And our lives have been transformed by his story. And that's what truly matters. And I want love us to have the urgency of having that desire. You know, when you think about it, God stepped towards us. We didn't step towards him. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he looked down and said, I hope someone helps them. Is that what it says? You sure? Maybe I should check my translation. Maybe I should say, maybe I think it says, For God so loved the world that he said, I'll pray for them. No? You sure? No? Okay. What's the right one? I, maybe my translation is wrong. What do you think it is? Thoughts of the world that he, what? He gave. he gave. He stepped down out of glory. He came down to a messed up, broken, scarred world because he loved it so much. He loved us so much that he wanted to change the direction of our lives. He wanted to change our stories. God stepped towards us because he loved us. Right? He went all the way across the sea because he had one broken, rejected demon-possessed guy that was left to die in a cemetery. He went and changed his life. He went into forbidden territory, risking being thought of as something that he wasn't, talking to a Samaritan woman who he shouldn't be talking to, showed who he was, expressed that he was Messiah. One rejected, scandalous woman. Every life matters to him. And he's interested in changing everyone's story because he has purpose and plans for every single one of us. Let's stand. For those of you who are still on the journey, you know, maybe you're here and you haven't accepted Christ yet. Maybe you said, you know, I'm just checking this thing out. That's okay. I want you to let you know that this is a place that's okay. You can come here and you can check things out. You can come here and and see what this God thing is all about. And you might not be ready to decide yet. That's okay too. But just keep coming. Just keep coming and just keep listening. There's nothing wrong with you asking questions. Ask as many questions as you want. We love questions. God loves questions. Because He's the answer. Right? If you're the answer, you can answer any question. <laughs> you're not afraid of questions. There used to be a basketball player called The Answer. His name was Alan Iverson. And that was his nickname, The Answer. They made a shoe for him called The Question. 
<laughs> it's true. Look it up. <laughs> because he's the answer, right? <laughs> if God, is, God is the answer. God is the answer to every situation. Jesus is the answer. There's no question too hard. There's no problem too hard. There's no situation too difficult that he can't answer. He is the answer. And so if you're still on this journey of faith and you haven't accepted Christ, that you're in a safe place. We still love you. We still want the best for you. But we also pray that somewhere along that journey, you make that decision. And if that decision is today, we'd be glad to sit with you and talk with you and encourage you on your journey. If you decide, you know what? I've heard enough. I've made my decision. I've decided to follow Jesus. That's an amazing thing. It's the best decision you'll ever make in your entire life. But for the rest of us, our story matters because Christ is the center of our story. So let's start sharing our story. Let's start talking about what happened in our life and where we were and how broken we were and where we are now. Because it's important. Lives are on the line. And we never know how many people we impacted by our story. Because even if one comes and that person shares their story with others, there's a whole bunch of repercussions that will come through. And you never know and you never see. And maybe you'll only know when you get to heaven, when you have all these people coming up and thanking you, like, what's going on? It's like you shared your story. Amen. Would you raise your hand for a blessing? We'll pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, Father, we just want to thank you this morning. We want to honor you and we want to bless you. We appreciate so much what you do in our lives, oh God. Thank you for coming into our story when we were broken and scarred, when we had nowhere to turn. You came in and changed our script. You gave us a future when we had none. You gave us a family when sometimes there's no one else around. Give us the courage, give us the strength to step forward in faith and be risk takers to to share our story with one another, to share our story with people around us, to talk about your greatness and, and even to just share how we were and how we are now. And through that, we will see miracles because that happens. Miracles will happen. Lives will be transformed. Things will change. And we may be awed in wonder at your work because you can take our stories and change lives. So I thank you this morning. Thank you for your church. I pray that we will be story hackers like you are pray that we will continue to just be obedient to you. That we walk in fullness and walk in grace and love. That we be kingdom ambassadors for you. Bless your church. Bless your people. We're so thankful that you brought us together as a family. We love every single one. We love you too. We honor you. We thank you, Jesus. Bless your church, bless your people as we give you praise and thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message.
I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.